Chapter 25 The transport moved quietly upstream. There was no sign of anyone out lurking around in the vague, moonlit darkness. And mostly there was no feeling at all in my body, except that my bones seemed to be vibrating with some charge, even though my emotions felt as cold as the cement brick I'd untied from Mahi's ankle. There'd been no question about what we'd do after Wingster went overboard. And as we now approached Bernardo's pier, my mind was totally focused on just two things, finding Michael and stopping Bernardo before midnight. I had Nate's pistol stuck in my pocket. I'd fired it recklessly point-blank to blast the handcuffs between our two hands. Now, bumping up against the dock, we jumped from the boat and headed together up toward the estate, pausing in the front gardens. Look, I said to Mahi, you need to go find your dad. He's somewhere down here in the main house. I'll go up and put some bullets into the computers. That'll stop the broadcast. I'm in a no-calito mood. I've got this covered. It's best I do this alone. I didn't wait for any response. I felt on fire. I turned and went running, fast but steady, in my trusty hiking boots, around the house, along that same path I'd walked with Ursula just the day before. I was assuming she'd known Wingster was going to kill us. Maybe I was assuming I was now going to kill her. I wasn't doing much thinking right then. I wasn't concerned about killing or getting killed. At this point, I was just utterly intent upon accomplishing the required task before midnight hit and the whole lake got zapped, including Abierta, El Maestro, Lucita, Mahi, Lashi, Francesca, and everybody else. I made it past the main house and then along the stream in the moonlight, up toward the laboratory and dome room. All the lights were off in the lower parts of the lab building, the technicians and so forth long gone. The whole place seemed deserted, except for a couple lights down in the main building, and lights coming from the top of the circular tower. Getting near the top, smelling a cigarette ahead of me in the distance, I went carefully up the path, making it all the way to the dome room's outer wall. Listening at a slightly open window, I heard one voice, Bernardo's, and then I heard another, Ursula's. I made a move, went and peered around the corner, and saw the guard leaning against the wall by the outer dome room door. He looked bored, staring off in the other direction down toward the lagoon. Taking the pistol from my pocket, I kept in the moon shadow of the building. Just as the guard seemed to sense my presence, I was right behind him and, without thinking, delivered a crunching blow to the top of his head. Down he went. I picked up his Uzi. I'd goofed around with one a while back in Marin. I knew the basics of how to make it go bang. In the guard's pocket, I found his bundle of keys. The urge was strong in me to bust into the top dome room and just gun the two of them down. But I also remembered Mahi's plea— and chose the less violent, more secure alternative. 
Heading quietly back down to the second level of the building, I found the side door, slipped the key into the lock, and turned it as silently as I could. Entering Ursi's hologram room, I found all the various consoles and electronic devices lit with their tiny blue and red and green power lights. I had a short memory flash of my own holographic image, standing there on the center platform, becoming Nokalito. I didn't really know anymore who I was. All I knew was that Bernardo was one floor above me right now, it was close to midnight, and time for the broadcast originating from above. And I was going to take this whole thing down. Right then a strange relaxation came flooding over me. I stood there staring a long moment at the complex array of computers and electronic apparatus. A quick spray of lead would make the entire system hemorrhage. As I raised the machine gun to fire into the innards of the evil machine, somewhere in the back of my mind, specific words were forming. So, Bernardo, this is from Mahi. This is from my dad. This is from all of us. Down you go. But before I could squeeze the trigger and get even the first bullet fired, something heavy and hard came swinging down from behind me, crashing against my arm as the machine gun was yanked from my hands. The pain in my forearm was so acute that I cried out, Ah, Jack, what a surprise. Swinging around, I found myself standing face to face with Bernardo. He was holding a hefty pistol aimed directly at my chest. The stray thought ran through my mind that I was getting damn tired of seeing pistols aimed at me. I must congratulate you, Bernardo went on calmly. Out of the proverbial blue you have returned. Tell me, where might my beloved sister be? None of your business, I barked back. What about my rather tawdry business associate? Wingster's definitely dead. Oh, well, perhaps for the best, and now only slightly delayed, you shall be dead and gone as well. But how'd you know I was here? Jack, you are such a poor, deluded amateur. You think you are playing serious cop and robbers, but you are in the end nothing more than a most foolish college instructor. You forgot that you still have that location device stuck in your boot heel. The gods, by whatever name, are truly with me, even to the level of sending me a momentary thought just before starting my broadcast to check and make certain that boot of yours was indeed deep down in the chilly depths of Caban's Atitlan. So damn... And what about Michael? Bernardo grinned. I might decide to keep him as a pet. I am, after all, quite benign, given half a chance. You're so sick. Your heart shocker is shot to hell. Indeed, he said. Even while up at Stanford, I'd configured enough Resotec to decondition my amygdala and various other micro-regions. 
I am subsequently quite free from any old order emotional limitations. Rest assured, the world is in the very best of hands. I do not sin. I am virgin snow, and now, poetically, down you go. Hey, at least give me half a chance, I countered, and make this a sporting situation. Nah, never give a sucker an even break. I believe it was an American who said that. But you actually would dare to murder Nocalito? There'll be immediate ancestral consequences. Yes, he retorted, and all in my favor. Oh, there's one final item before you go. Your father's death that night in his lab at Stanford. Yes, I was rather directly involved. I made him a fair offer, which he was fool enough to reject. He even threatened to expose me. So I did what absolutely had to be done. But enough of life's trivia. I've your father's business to complete upstairs in four minutes and counting. Let's step outside so as not to bloody Ursi's rug. Adios, Nocalito. As he motioned with his pistol toward the door leading outside, he paused and cocked his head slightly to one side as if entertaining a new thought. My eyes for no reason became fixated on the multicolor glow of all those various electronic devices in the room. I looked back and saw that Bernardo was now grinning very strangely at me, and I noticed his expression shift again and become slightly bemused by some internal thought or feeling. Oh, he said, as if talking to himself rather than to me. He stood there a moment longer with the pistol still aimed at my chest. Well now, he said, this is indeed quite amusing. This is so very curious. He looked over to his left, where the circular stairs ran up to the dome room. I looked over too, and saw Ursula standing there, quietly in the shadows, not moving at all holding a cell phone in her left palm, concentrating on doing something with her right forefinger on the screen. Ah, Ursi, there you are, Bernardo said. I'm set to take Juan for a little walk outside under the starry skies. But now, um, I was just thinking something. What was I thinking, Ursi? You were thinking she responded quietly, that you're not going to shoot this young man. You're going to hand him your pistol now. Ah, yes, thank you for reminding me. Here, Jack, take it. I'm feeling more than slightly dizzy. Tingles running up and down my spine. Quite nice, actually. Ursie came walking toward us still looking mostly down at her phone. Yes, Berno, she said. You are more than slightly dizzy. You're, in fact, feeling the same subtle feeling everyone around the lake might have started feeling in just a few moments. I've simply rewritten a bit of code, she told him. And right now, Berno, 
God bless you. You're experiencing exactly the transformation you are wishing upon the lake. But of course, most people living around this lake are not like you, are they? Oh, like me, he said. No, perhaps not. I am so much more intelligent, so much more tuned into the larger vision of what must happen tonight. What is going to happen tonight, she told him, looking up right into his eyes, is as follows. We're going to leave here immediately by boat. We're going over to the hot springs. And on our way, I'm going to once and for all entirely remove all evidence of your tech machinations from the planet. Oh, what? Remove all of this? Bernardo asked. I spoke up. Keep doing whatever you're doing, Ursi. I'm going to take care of the removal myself, head pounding with pain as I bent over to pick up the Uzi. No, she said. Please, Jacques. I couldn't stand that. I have a much more thorough plan. Trust me. I worked all of this out beforehand. Where is Mahi? I thought you two would be at the hot springs by now. And tell me, where's Nate? So you didn't know? Know what? Bernardo had us set for the bottom of the lake. Oh, God, she mumbled. I never imagined but I was all set to do this to him before he could activate the zap. Ah, zap, zap, Bernardo intoned, seeming just slightly crazy at the moment. Bernardo, she growled at him, would you actually commit murder? If so, then I should have shot you rather than zap you. I'm in overwhelm, he replied his voice so very unusual. How strange. You have actually done this? You've outsmarted me? But of course, it makes perfect sense. And already, yes, I feel the change. Not to my mind, but to my body down here. He tapped his chest. And I admit, he went on, it's an infinitely delightful sensation. I never imagined it would feel so good. A few minutes later, the three of us were outside, looking down at the main house and the boat dock. There was zero sign of life anywhere on the property, just the tinkling of the stream and the moon up there the same moon that had been shining when Nate had almost killed Mahi and me just an hour earlier. I was still half in shock. Ursi ordered Bernardo to drag the still unconscious guard way off into the woods. Mahi and El Maestro came hurrying up toward us on the path. All's in order, Ursi said to them. There will be no broadcast, and I've treated Berno deeply with his own medicine. He shall now remain forever docile. Now we must leave here immediately. She hurried us down through the lush, deserted wasteland of the hacienda, and out onto the dock, then down into the speedboat. 
Oh, there's one more thing to do, she said, and took off running back to the hacienda in those same tennis shoes she'd been wearing when she came up to the hot springs hacienda just yesterday morning. Meanwhile, the three of us sat mutely in the boat. A high outside lamp was vaguely illuminating our faces. Mahi slipped her hand into mine. The moon was again covered by clouds. Mahi glanced to Berno, and he looked right back into her eyes with a soft smile on his lips. She cocked her head, and then a slight smile touched her lips also. Just then, we saw a short, bright flash somewhere up high in the buildings, accompanied almost instantly by a sharp, explosive crack. Then an echoing silence prevailed. El Maestro continued sitting mutely, staring into space as if drugged on something. Ursi came running back down to the boat, carrying a backpack. She jumped in and fired up the criss-craft, and off we roared. The moon came out as we skimmed over the molten surface. The chocomil had finally entirely spent its wrath, and the lake was calming down for the night. The constant vibration of the engine and slight slapping of the waves against the hull filled my otherwise blank mind. Mahi was still holding my hand. Things were happening, and I wasn't in charge. And it was okay. Ursi cut the engine, way out at least a mile from shore. I vaguely remembered her doing the same thing yesterday morning in a rather different circumstance. As the moon played tag with the clouds, Ursi seemed momentarily consumed in thought. So, I said to her, that explosion, everything you created, it's now just gone forever? Of course not. I still have this, she said, patting her backpack. Duplicate hard drives. But I must now concentrate. Timing is important. And then she stared off into space, gazing at the moon until it slid behind more clouds. Then she reached into her backpack, pulled out her cell phone, and punched in a number. Hello, she said in her heavily accented Spanish. This is the Bernardo Villa. This is an emergency. We have a terrible gas leak here, and just now there was an explosion downstairs. We need help fast. Please, we... She clicked off the phone. All the rooms are now filled with propane, she said to us. This is the only way to fully secure our future. She looked down at her phone, and she did something with her finger on the screen, and then quickly raised her eyes up to look way over at the villa. Kapow! In one instant, the entire building complex blew up like in a movie, lighting that whole part of the night sky. We just sat there staring, the violent attack of the sound still reverberating in our ears as if we'd been slapped. There are, of course, certain organizations and individuals Percy told us, especially the CIA, who might try to carry on. Now everything remaining of importance is gone from over there, and we are entirely free.
An hour later, all of us were sequestered in the big hot springs pool. Francesca was with us. She'd doctored my head wound and pronounced me basically okay, then brought drinks and snacks down from the main house. So Nate Wingster is at the bottom of the lake, she summed. Well, he's floating out there somewhere, I put in. His body'll be found with his face smashed in. Well, she said, he has so many enemies around the lake, anyone might have killed him. I'll cover that, no worry, she said. And Bernardo, you are here in a somewhat altered mood. Pues indeed, he intoned calmly. As Ursi says, I have been kindly treated with my own medicine. And she went on, the hacienda staff was already gone, and Quemado and the pilot sent away earlier. This sounds ideal. The government won't want to look too deeply into all of this. I know them. And Ursi, they will consider you cremated. Ursi nodded. I planned most of this in advance, she said, including the becalming of my friend here. I have a passport under another name for crossing the border. And I have a car you can take, Francesca offered. She turned toward Michael, who seemed somewhat more alert now. So, she said, you can simply return to your compound and carry on, enjoying a lengthy visit from your son. El Maestro looked over to Bernardo. Would that suit you? he asked him quietly. Bernardo smiled that new, relaxed, open smile of his. I was amazed at how his facial muscles and entire personality could shift in such a short time. It was on the edge of spooky, but on the other hand, the new Bernardo seemed humbly authentic. Yes, thank you, Papa, he said. That would be wonderful. As my sis is wont to say, a la nueva, mi padre. And please, Ursi said to Michael, I will need you to monitor his progress. I'll send back some protocol and data files. You'll need to take gentle care of him. When I get home, I'll go through my hard drives and determine what happened within his brain. I have it all recorded. Based on our research, he will probably mature into the lake's most beloved residential monk. We all looked to Bernardo, and he smiled right back to us. Ursi reached and took his hand, quite tenderly. I gave you the super treatment, she told him, because all things considered, you fully deserved it. Already, he responded right back to her, all of that feels so long gone. I can't imagine how I was. We were all silent a few moments. I felt Mahi's fingers as they found mine underwater. Then she spoke to Bernardo. My brother, you and your magnificent brain, she said softly to him. With that spectacular buzz, now calm and quiet, perhaps forever, how do you feel? I was watching him closely. 
Was he actually faking his seemingly benign fool-on-the-hill expression? What's so strange, he said after a moment of looking around to us all, is that my cognitive function seems entirely intact. It's my body, and especially my heart, that feels changed. And, of course, when one's root emotional charge becomes altered, one's associative thought flows shift in tandem. But actually, it's not what I feel emotionally. It's that I can feel this warm, soft glow. I'd hate to have to give this up and go back to the old Bernardo. Well, perhaps, Ursi said, you have attracted to yourself exactly this final outcome. Honestly, he said to all of us, I'm feeling deeply humbled. It might sound trite, but don't laugh. I've been touched. Yes, I've been healed by my own medicine. I'm feeling sane for the first time. I was asking for liberation, for a permanent shift in my assemblage point. So perhaps I did create this entire convoluted situation in order to treat myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ursi, you are my Shiva. I just want to go sit with my friend up there and watch the world go by. I am really so thankful. I ask everyone for forgiveness. I've done absolutely terrible things. Mahi reached out her free hand to him, and Michael seemed to be recovering. He also reached and put his big painter's paw on his son's shoulder. As I was watching this, I got hit with a sudden overwhelming jab of intense anguish. My eyes stung with burning tears, and I closed them, my heart aching with all my own childhood losses. And yeah, the death of my own father. I think I went mostly unconscious, sitting there engulfed in my inner swirl of emotions. I felt Mahi's hand in mine squeeze just slightly under the surface of the water. My eyes opened and I looked off and upward into a watery blur. I gazed off toward the back of the cavern, and through the mist I found myself looking right into the eyes of the old naked fellow who was still just doing nothing but peacefully witnessing the world going by. From his perch, he raised his hand to me in slight salute, feeling a rush of intimate connection with my own father's presence. I raised my hand to the elder and felt a sudden tiny internal explosion inside my chest. It's impossible to explain, but I remember feeling as if I could finally breathe again. I turned and looked to Bernardo and found his eyes gazing right into mine. So you too, he said to me. I tell you, it's the goddamn influence of all these liberated women. 
he burst out laughing at himself, and the laughter was contagious. We all joined him, laughing our heads off for no reason at all, just one great communal guffaw. And then we calmed down, became quite silent. I saw movement way down by the entrance of the cavern. There in the flesh was Lucita, that wild young girl from Santiago Atitlan. Her small body cast a long black shadow ahead of her. And now my eyes were registering another person walking up along the footpath toward our pool. I knew immediately who it was, and I was flabbergasted, as Gramps would have put it, to see her at this time of night in this particular gringo hideout. She was walking at a gentle, even pace, and she smiled to all of us as she arrived. Ah, I am thankful to find you all here, she said in Spanish. This is what I was holding in my heart. Oh, hello, Berno. It is so good to see you here, the three of you all together again. I was deep in meditation and felt you. And I felt the jade when it splashed and sank deep and away. And Mahi, yes, yes, the flow continues. <sighs> the flow continues. She proceeded to take off her backstrap weepile and then her long skirt. As she stepped down into the pool to join us, Mahi reached out and took her hand and helped her. And I'm not sure how well I can describe any of what happened next, but a continually expanding peace I hadn't really known before came over all of us who were quietly sharing water and the air in the hot springs cavern. I felt time slowing down and just disappearing into the steamy mist. Within that womian peace, I remember Abierta at one point, looking up into the misty distance and raising her hand to the old man up there and him waving gently back to her. And then, some time later, Abierta was speaking, and we were all listening, and this is what she said. When we choose to look at the darkness, we, of course, come to live in that darkness. Continually, we create this moment by focusing our almighty power of attention. And, Mahi, you are showing us exactly this. When we look for the light, we live in that light. I choose to welcome the everyday, the luminous, the high heart. I see clearly, along with our ancestors, the ancient glow of hope and faith radiating in your eyes. We are finally learning what was known in the beginning, that our heart is our home. We are the love we seek. I say to you, as always, my prayer for your future. A la nueva. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Amen. Amen. Alanueva. 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 Amen.